Well, good evening. And can I just say it's lovely to be here, and thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I've taught lots of you young people in here, um, so I hope this is a bit more engaging than what you get on a day-to-day -day basis. But um, I, I teach RS um, at Bishop Wands now, um, so my uh, depth and understanding of this topic massively changed when I rocked up into my classroom uh, with my year 10 sat there, and all of a sudden they got a whole PowerPoint, a whole lesson on Trinitarian doctrine and understanding the tri uh, the tribune God. Um, so I apologise if I go a little deep uh, than you normally do, but I'm really excited because I think there's something so important today. We have to understand that God loves us. And if we come to the end of this talk and we're walking away going, God the Father loves us so much, God the Son loved us so much he gave himself for us, and the Spirit loves us so much he wants to be with us, We've hit the nail on the head of God's character by the end of today's talk. But I thought just to start with today, we'd have a quick think about famous threes. I'm going to come down here. I don't like being up here. Okay, famous threes. Now, here are just some that I've chosen. So we could have Harry Potter, Hermione and Ron. We could have the Jonas Brothers, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Any fans in here? Yeah, good. Maybe in your tables, discuss. What's the greatest three that you've got? Off you go. Okay. You got an idea for me? Okay, you've got to scream really loudly. That's the deal. Okay, bear with. Right, we're going to do this young youthy thing, because I was told this was a youth service. We're going to cheer for the best three on the board, okay? Oh, pushing the boat out. So if you think it's Ron, Hermione, and Harry, give us a cheer. Yay! Ah, okay, some literary fans. What about the Jonas Brothers? Excellent. <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks? Yay. Yeah, good, I like it. What about the bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich? Yay. Oh, oh, big contender, I like it. My one, the three-pound Tesco's meal deal. Yay. Yay. Definitely the most important three. <laughs> uh, Neapolitan ice cream? Yay. Yeah, okay, okay. I have an interesting relationship with that ice cream. The strawberry and the vanilla always disappear. And then the chocolate is just left there. Not a fan. It does not look right. Uh, what about the three musketeers? Any literary fans? No? Good, good. And then Ash Ketchum, Brock and Misty from Pokemon? Yeah, good. You can have extra donuts later. Yeah. These are all famous threes. These are all uh, threes that we might engage with. But actually, for us as Christians, the most important three that we study is the Trinity. And I think it's worth us understanding from the outset that nowhere in the Bible does it ever talk explicitly about the Trinity. The Trinity is a man-made concept. Let me explain what I mean there. Because we know that there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
But that's how we as humans have created this understanding of God. See, throughout the Bible, God reveals himself to us in these ways. And then we compartmentalize them into these three characters. So it's almost like we're painting this canvas as we learn and understand God. And it starts to get more tricky the more we start to force them into these boxes. Now, we can engage with all three of them in this idea that they are God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, or the Ruach, as in Hebrew they call it. But we cannot forget that all three of these are at the same time God. God is all three of these entities. Now, um, when I was chatting with Nick about how, what he wanted me to sort of talk about, he said, can you go through some uh, analogies of the Trinity? And I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll talk about the, the, the clover. There we go, the shamrock, the, the picture of islands, because that's how everyone describes the Trinity. There's one stem, which is God, and then there are these three leaves that are next to each other. But I'm not suffice with that analogy, because... It means that all three are there at the same time, which God is, but the entities are not. So I thought, okay, well, I'll I'll talk about the stool. I'll talk about how the three legs of the Trinity hold up one seat for us to sit on. And I thought that'd go really well until I sat on my stool at home and it broke. And I thought, no, can't do that analogy. But secondly... We then assume in that analogy that all three of the poles are working for the same purpose, which actually they don't. So how can God be these three separate entities if they work for slightly different purposes? And I'll come through that later. So then finally I thought about the egg, and I thought we could have like an egg-smashing competition at the end where I'd have hard-boiled and soft eggs and people have to smash them against their heads if they got a question right. And I was told I can't do that. And I thought, well, that would be an apt analogy, wouldn't it? Because we could say that God the Father is the yoke, the goodness in the middle. Jesus was the Son uh, that brings us nearer to him around it as the white. And then the Holy Spirit is the shell on the outside. But again, I'm not content with that analogy. Because I'm assuming they're all together. I'm assuming they're close and they're bound together. So I'm not actually sure that we can sit here and say there's an analogy that summarises the Trinity. Now, if you have been in one of my or Mr Wood's RS lessons, you would have seen this diagram before. And I think it's important for us to understand and remember that the reason why these analogies do not work is because they create relationship between the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit when actually there is none other than they are God's. Each one of these parts of the Trinity show us God's character. So when we come and read our Bibles in a minute, and we start looking at who is the Father, who is the Son, who is the Holy Spirit, we must remember that they are all God (coughs) himself. And it's him revealing to us in different ways who he is. Now, the Bible doesn't explicitly talk about the Trinity, but we do see, except for Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go forth and baptize disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
that's, yeah, we'll come on to that later. But the first time we see the Trinity is in Genesis 1. Which, if you've got your Bibles, please feel free to turn with me to page 1. And if you've not got your Bibles, I've got it on the screen for you. And it says this, in the beginning... Oh, sorry, if I started too early. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness... God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then there was evening, and then there was morning, the first day. Now, within those first five verses of Genesis, of the first book of the Bible, I can identify all three parts of God's character. We start with the Father, the author of all creation. In the beginning, God created. It hints to me the Father character, the one who oversees everything that we have got. He is the, if you are a Graham Kendrick fan here, preaching to the back of the room at this point, but the author of creation, you might remember that song that he wrote when we used to go on our marches. I can also see that the Spirit was there, and the Spirit of God was hovering. I don't know if any of the young kids in here have played the Spyro games, but obviously you've got the little firefly that follows you wherever you go. I like to think of that analogy when I think about the Holy Spirit, that guiding light, that guiding presence. But lo, I hear you ask, Simon, where is Jesus? Well, let's turn to John 1 together there, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't know the page reference for that one. John 1, 1. Sixty-three. You've got a small Bible. Ten sixty-three. There we go. Not ten sixty-six. That was the Battle of Hastings. That's later on, just after Jesus heals the paralyzed man. And we read John one together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God. In the beginning. Now, John is a really clever guy. Okay, John wrote this most beautiful gospel that we're going to spend a lot of time in in a few minutes. And God had a revelation. He had an understanding when he was on earth and following Jesus. Because John, he would argue, saw Jesus confirm his deity in God. And John worked out that whenever God speaks a word... That is similar or synonymous of the presence of the Son. And when it says, and the word was with God, we can justify and accept that then the Son was present in creation. Does that make sense? Now, that's quite a big leap. And if I had two hours, I would go through the lessons that I do on this, but I've only got 20 minutes. So I'm just going to ask that we accept that at this moment in time. So we see the Trinity at the start of creation when the world was good. 
And if we turn to Revelation, we would then see the Trinity's presence in the end times. In Revelation 21, where we see the new heaven and new earth descend from heaven as if a bride adorned for its wedding day. A beautiful vision that I'm sure many of us in here uh, have seen or will hopefully one day see. So the Trinity is constant throughout this. But I'm still not sure that I know this Trinity. And I want to understand each aspect of God's character a little bit more. So it's down to your tables. I sort of saw three columns, but I feel sorry for the middle column at this point. So we might do a little bit of a change around. So these two tables, guys, can you um, work on the Holy Spirit passages for me, please? These two, can you work on the Father passages for me? And then the back three, can you do the Son passages for me? And what I want you to do in your tables for five minutes, no more, is turn and talk to each other, read these Bible verses, and answer these two um, questions. What do the verses tell you about the character of God? And then what does it tell you about how we engage with that character of God? Should we say three minutes? Okay, off you go. Okay. Oh, am I going to have to use a countdown? Table at the back still talking. Mrs. McAndrew. There you go. It's been two days since I've been in my classroom. I miss it so much. Right. Look, let's just take some ideas, okay? I'm going to start with logical order. Start with the Father. So that first verse in 1 John, what does that tell you? about the character of the Father. You're going to have to shout out here. Loving. Loving. Thanks, Tom. What does loving look like to you? Um, Mm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Interesting. Thank you for that one. So we've got this characteristic of love. What about Matthew 6.6? Anything from the other table? Thank you so much. Yeah, wants a relationship. Matthew 6, 6 talks about how we need to go into a room, close the door and talk with God. Yeah, and he's longing for this relationship, which I think is so awesome about this entity, this, this deity God who is all powerful to create the earth and seemingly can just cause it to flood immediately. But he's actually saying, I want to know you. I want to love you. And I think that's an important part of the father to hold dear. What about the sun, then? You might need to shout from the back. Just themes that you picked up on from those verses, please. Equality. Yeah. Loving. Yeah. Generous living. The only way to the truth of life again. Yeah, fab. Thank you. Does anyone else have anything to add to that list? Do you have anything? If you want to know God, you need to know Jesus. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're right. Okay? This son is sent to earth for us to know. 
And if we read the Gospels, and particularly we looked at um, some of the, particularly Mark, we would see this pattern of people following and just longing to know God through the Son, Jesus. Do you see then how the theme of the Father is picked up in the theme of the Son? This relational theme develops. Secondly, the only way to the Father is through me. Now this gets a bit more complicated. Because if we believe that the Father, Son and Spirit are all God, then if I am the Son and the only way to the Father is then through me, how are they then different? if they are the same. Do you want the answer? Uh, If you find it, can you tell me? That'd be great. (laughs) Okay, the Son is both God and man. Can God die? No. For the price of sin to be paid, what must happen? Death. Without death, we could not truly know the full resurrection power, and nor could we know the fullness of the gospel. So God had to become man. So though they have the same characteristic, that different purpose now develops. Are you with me in that? And that's why it's important to define that difference between father and son. Let's go one step further. Let's look then at the Holy Spirit. What, um, I hear Nathan gave this table a preach, so I'll look for someone other than Nathan. <laughs> But what what themes, ideas did we pick out across these two tables? Gift from God, yeah. Advocate, lovely word. Do you know what that means? Yeah, it goes there on your behalf. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I'd say you're all, if you're a friend, you're an advocate of someone. Any other? Pardon? Satnav. Wow, they had those in the Bible. Yeah, how so? Yeah, definitely. Guides through the life. I like that. Do you get the word counsellor? Either of the groups? Really hope you did. Put it in there. We'll pretend that you did. Okay, so we've got counsellor as well. Now, John 14 is really interesting. Because in John 14, 16, Jesus says, Disciples, I must now go. I must now go, for there is someone who is to come. I always think of sort of Christmas Carol there with Scrooge, yeah, where the ghost of Christmas present leaves and the ghost of Christmas future comes. Jesus had his purpose to die on the cross to then go to heaven. What ripped in half at that point? Okay, 27 different answers there. I'm thinking about Big Curtain. What's it called? the Holy of Holies. Yeah, so we used to have this giant curtain, a bit like, uh, imagine a curtain over your archway at the back. This Holy of Holies then breaks in two, and behind that curtain previously was the only place where the Jews could encounter God's presence. But as that breaks in two, God's presence comes amongst us. That is then the spirit outpouring onto this earth, where the Ruach comes amongst the people. But for us to truly understand and to live in the power of the gospel... Jesus had to leave because he had fulfilled his purpose. So yet Jesus is God as the Spirit is God and both were there to do works on earth for the Spirit to truly serve its purpose, to support us, be with us and guide us. Jesus had to go. Does that make sense? I'm aware I'm jumping through a lot of doctrine here. 
but I just need to fit the time and I'm running over. So I hope that illustrates the three different roles of God, but yet at the same time, they are still all God. And now we're in this place where we need to think about who are we interacting with then as believers? Who do I pray to? I have a friend who starts his prayer, Dear Daddy. It's a little informal for me, but he's right. We're praying to the Father. We're praying to the author of creation, this all-around entity that oversees uh, the earth. And we live through the Son who died for our sins, but walk with the Holy Spirit. So if you're sat here and you're thinking, right, now I understand the roles of the Trinity, what do I then need to do to know the Trinity better? Four simple points for us to take away. One, get your nose into your Bibles. Read the Word of God that's there. If you want to understand the Holy Spirit, get yourself into Acts and see the amazing things that the Spirit does through believers who want to know him. Just like in Matthew 6, 6, let's go to our room, close our doors and pray and have that relationship that the Father's calling out for. Discuss with people. The disciples did not start the early church alone. They sat with the word of God. They talked about it. They did life together. Where three or more are met, the Spirit of God will be. And finally, I'm, I'm really loving this verse at the moment. This die to self is to live as gain. Die to yourself is a really hard concept to cover in two minutes. But essentially, when I came forward to, and I gave my life to God and I said, actually, there is a hole in my heart that needs filling, part of that hole was I needed to not think I was the great I am. And I needed to understand that God the almighty entity is sovereign over who I am. And I think as we do our Christian walk, whether you're in school or slightly older school uh, of life, and we're, we're walking this journey together, we've now got that Holy Spirit alongside us. And remember that he is the one who will point us to how great God is. So to know the Trinity, know God's love for you. Let's pray. Loving Father, you do not need us, yet we need you. Loving God, you are so meticulous in your plan for this earth that you have thought about how to appear in your character to us in these three ways. And Father, we love how you created the earth and that you show us this agape, this this unconditional love that we can respond to because of the sacrifice that the Son made in Jesus. And Lord, there are probably things we want to atone for today that we want to say that we're sorry for, where we've hurt you. And Lord, through your forgiveness, we know we may stand alongside your Holy Spirit upon this earth, that we may go out and do good things for you. So Lord, pray that you strengthen us, that you guide us, so that we may go forth and make disciples. Lord, give us the motivation and the strength to desire to know you more. 
We ask this all in your holy, precious and powerful name. Amen.